Early in the morning of October the 7th, something happened that for many Israelis and even Palestinians was unthinkable. The fence that has kept more than 2 million people in the Gaza Strip under land, sea and air blockade since 2007 was breached. Hamas launched an offensive in southern Israel. Its fighters entered areas under Israeli control, attacking military facilities and taking over settlements. The armed group also took hundreds of people, Israelis and foreigners, captive. Shortly afterwards, Israel began bombarding the Gaza Strip from north to south, forcing more than a million Palestinians from their homes in search of refuge. But they have nowhere to go and nowhere is safe. The Israeli army has killed thousands of Palestinians targeting apartment blocks, hospitals, mosques and churches in its campaign to root out Hamas. It was only on October the 21st, 14 days into the war, that convoys carrying food, medicine and water were allowed into the Gaza Strip. And it's only a fraction of the basic humanitarian aid supplies on which millions of people depend. We spoke to one of the regional heads of the International Committee of the Red Cross involved in the emergency response. Mamadou Sol talks to Al Jazeera. Mamadou Sow, head of the International Committee of the Red Cross for the Gulf Cooperation Council countries, the GCC. Thank you for talking to Al Jazeera. I would like to start me. with the situation in Gaza, which continues to top the global agenda since October the 7th. Captives have been released recently. You've been involved in the operation, facilitating the release. Could you give us a sense of the hostage negotiations? Where do they stand now? It's good to that this question is asked because uh, obviously you have seen the images and they have been shared widely with my colleagues on the ground, uh, you know, taking the hostages from uh, Al-Qassam brigades and the factions in Gaza and crossing and sending them over, taking them to the Israeli side. And, and people might wonder, you know, what is this organization that can do something like this in the heat of the battlefield? And, and that's what we do also. Uh, we are the International Red Cross. We are a neutral party to a conflict. We are there to uh, support the populations who are affected. And in the course of doing our work, we engage bilaterally with both parties to the conflict and we build the trust between them and us, but also between us and the, and the population. And it is this posture of a, of a neutral uh, body that allows us really to be able to, 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 to serve this work. Now, when it comes to the negotiation per se, it is not our role to negotiate release. Uh, we stand with international humanitarian law, which prohibit certain practices, and we're very clear with this. Uh, but wherever there is a need for parties to a conflict to make those gestures, mm -hmm. they rely on us to, uh, to, 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 to deliver. I do understand we're talking about pretty much very sensitive issues here, but we also understand that you are in touch with Hamas as well as the Israelis, the international community, where some of the key players are trying to negotiate a breakthrough when it comes to the the release of the captives. But do you get a sense that we are likely to get to that point or no? Well, our hope 
as the International Committee of the Red Cross, is that the families mm -hmm. who have been separated and who are desperately waiting to be reunited with their loved ones are given the chance to be reunited with their loved ones. And this is very important, you know. I've worked in many countries, including in Gaza, and when people are separated from their loved ones as a result of an armed conflict, what stays with them is a hole that cannot be filled. And it's only the news of release that uh, allow for that to happen. L let's try to break down the situation of the detainees or the captives. We're talking about Hamas and other armed groups, which are believed to be holding more than 200 people captive. Israeli forces have arrested hundreds of people, including children. Do you get to see them, talk to their families? We work in, in, in Israel. We're in Israel when in Gaza. When I was there, um, we shuttle uh, almost on a daily basis Palestinians from Gaza into Israel to go visit their loved one in prisons. This is very important work that we do to reunite families. Um, we are gearing up to start visiting uh, people who are detained in Israel. This is uh, part of our normal work in, in, in Israel and the occupied Palestinian territories. And this we will continue to do it. Huh? Uh, because these visits, they allow, they, they serve as a lifeline for the detainees and their loved ones. But it also allow us to be able to check on their conditions and their treatment. We also uh, wish to be able to visit the people who are in the custodies of Hamas and the factions. Mm -hmm. We have made this very clear. And um, for the moment, we um, are satisfied with the ability to uh, do the neutral intermediary for the release. But we also would like to be able to visit them so that their families can know their fate and their whereabouts and know also uh, that they are safe and well. On, on the issue of the children, because human rights organizations are talking about over 180 children arrested, will you ultimately be able to uh, uh, give the, uh, grant a permit for their own loved ones to be able to go and visit them? You mean them? arrested where? In the West Bank, because as you know, they've been many incursions into the West Bank and many children yes, were arrested yes, also. Yes, yes. It's good that you mentioned the because West Bank. Because oftentimes people yes. tend to think only about the captives when they forget that we're talking about hundreds of people who were also arrested by the Israelis. Yes, you know, the violent situation in the West Bank has spiraled. Huh? And um, in fact, uh, 2022 is not yet the deadliest year on record for the West Bank. Uh, this year has surpassed the number of casualties that, uh, that we've recorded on the West Bank. So um, we are concerned by the escalation in the West Bank and we hope that uh, the preservation of life will also be paramount. What happens to the US nationals and the citizens and foreign nationals still stranded in Gaza and not able to cross into uh, Egypt? U.S. nationals yes. detained or... Oh, no, no, who were just happened to be visiting families in Gaza and they were still stranded. Could you be uh, helpful in facilitating their exit into Egypt? Because the Egyptians so far have been saying we have to wait until we get a global comprehensive solution before we decide who should leave and who of course, should stay. I, I cannot really comment on individual cases, okay. uh, which I'm, I'm not aware of, but I can tell you that 2.2 million people are stuck in the Gaza Strip. Uh, their lives have been turned upside down. You know for a fact that everybody have had their loved ones killed during this last round. Just to tell you how, how uh, desperate mm -hmm. the situation is on the ground. And we uh, will not spare any effort to remind the parties to this conflict. Uh, to respect international humanitarian law. This law is very clear on the protection of civilians, 
of those who are not fighting mm -hmm. and those who are no longer fighting, on the protection on the civilian infrastructures, uh, the hospitals, and so on, uh, because that's, um, those are the limits of war that ought to be respected. Let's talk about who you are as ICRC. What do you do, what you stand for, your mandate? When you look at your website, it says that the ICRC stands for promoting people's rights and dignity. They've been operating in the occupied territories since 1967, and that they visit detainees, reunite families, support livelihood projects, help improve access to essential services, water and electricity. Now, when it comes to the situation in Gaza, the Israeli army is making references for a preparation for a ground invasion into Gaza. Is it likely to further complicate your mission in Gaza? Well, today, as we speak, we have more than 100 colleagues who are in the Gaza Strip. Um, we also have been there for since the 1960s, continuously, as you said. Uh, we are prepared to, to stay, and we intend to stay, by the side of the people who are affected, so that we can fulfill our mandate. Mm -hmm. Our partners and colleagues, the Red Crescent Society, they are also present in the Gaza Strip, uh, doing a phenomenal work. Uh, of course, they have received warning uh, messages to evacuate, uh, but we've been very clear. Hospitals are protected under international humanitarian law. Their mandate is to serve uh, people and they need to be allowed to do that work. And I was quite moved when I mm -hmm. saw my team, our colleagues on the ground, they went to meet uh, our, our brothers and sisters from the Red Crescent and they stood um, in front of their, their hospitals. You know, when I, when I last was in Al Jazeera, I, I, I said to your colleagues that I wish we could shield all the hospitals in Gaza with mm -hmm. our bodies and our, and, our, and, our, and, our, and our flesh. But obviously we can't. Uh, it's the law that shields them. Mm -hmm. But when I saw my colleagues standing in front of Al Quds hospitals, I was quite proud of them. And some of those colleagues have been killed in airstrikes. Four of them have been killed. One colleague of Megan Evdadam also have been killed. And, uh, and, you know, whenever we lose one person on, mm -hmm. on, on the heat of the, 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 the conflict, something in us dies mm -hmm. with it, you know. Since you've mentioned the humanitarian situation, the flow of humanitarian aid through Rafah crossing is below expectations and people are frustrated. Why... Is aid so restricted as we speak? Well, let's, 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 let's take it apart. So, first of all, we welcome the agreement to start uh, bringing in daily needed uh, supplies. Uh, I think every blanket that enters in Gaza is needed. Every bottle of water that enters is needed. Every medical supplies that makes its way into Gaza Strip is needed. Every litre of fuel that enters is needed. Without fuel, the hospitals, they don't function. Incubators, they stop. X-rays cannot be taken. Oxygen masks don't function. So we welcome the agreement to bring in the, 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 the goods together. But we're talking about 2.2 million people who've mm -hmm. been under the, under the bombs. We're talking about hospitals that are on their knees. We're talking about infrastructures, water system, electricity system, which we've been supporting for years. For years, we've been supporting JETCO, we've been supporting CMW, these are water and electricity companies, mm -hmm. to be resilient, to be able to, to absorb some of the shocks that they are. We have spare parts pre-positioned all over the Gaza Strip so that we can continue to fix them and repair them so that at least the minimum is, 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 is provided. So we hope that uh, more 
there will be an agreement on fuel so that more fuel will enter. But we hope, that, we hope also that the, the gates of Gaza will be flung wide open for really, really substantial amount of, of aid will enter. Why isn't this happening? Let me just quote what UN agencies, the WFP, WHO and many others have been saying recently. They've described the humanitarian situation in Gaza as catastrophic and they've been urgently calling for a humanitarian ceasefire. Why is the ceasefire not happening anytime soon, despite the magnitude of this destruction? You just look at the aerial footage and you get just a sense of how horrific is the situation there. We cannot put words now in what's happening in the Gaza Strip, and a ceasefire is needed. Today, when you call people in Gaza, they don't want you to ask them how they're doing, because they know we know the answer. They don't want you to tell them about what is happening outside of Gaza. They want to hear one word, it's ceasefire. They want to breathe. People have not slept for days. People have left their homes. They are under the sh shelters. Some don't even have shelters. They are sleeping under the trees. They are struggling for water, clean water. The number of people now who have stomach problems are staggering on the rise. You know the infrastructures that I talked about earlier? They are all connected. Without electricity, you don't have really good running water. You cannot desalinize. You cannot even treat the sewage system. The sewage is going, the raw sewage is going to end up in the cities. And this is going to lead again to uh, more problems compounding with the problems called by the, the, the intensity of the violence. So a ceasefire is deadly needed now. See, this is something which is likely to put more strains on what you do and most of the United Nations agencies, humanitarian agencies operating on the ground. People are saying there's double standard by all proportions. Ukraine, we saw the international reaction, disaster befalls Gaza, no one seems to care. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, it's, 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 I don't know if it's fair to say that nobody cares. Uh, we care deeply. We are very much present on the ground. Uh, and our voice is also clear. Mm -hmm. uh, we are, you know, the difference between us and other organizations whom we respect mm -hmm. is that we are very much on the ground. As I told you, we are repairing the electricity. We are repairing the water system. We are distributing water to the, to the camps. Mm -hmm. Not only that, we are crossing the lines to meet with the Israeli generals to talk to them about the situation in the Gaza Strip. We are crossing the lines to meet with the Hamas to tell them about what's happening on the other side of the fence. But you know, there's been this call for unrestricted humanitarian access to Gaza. And people have been saying we should allow medical teams, people to cross into the territory because it's about time to help. That unrestricted access is not happening as we speak. And this is just going to further lead to more casualties, more agonies and more tragedy to the point where people are frustrated, they're angry and they're asking how much do we have to wait? Indeed. The, the first obligation under international humanitarian law uh, for respecting the civilians and allowing them to have assistance and allowing the Red Cross and the Red Crescent and all humanitarian organizations to move around and do their work, these are obligations of the parties to the conflict. And these obligations under international humanitarian law are strong obligations. Huh? 
These are blood-stained agreements that have been signed uh, in the aftermath of World War II, uh, that all countries now have agreed to, it, to, to respect it and to ensure its respect. But who cares, in a way or another? And let me tell you why people are asking the same question, who cares? The US has used its veto at the United Nations Security Council to block a resolution calling for Israel to allow humanitarian corridors in the Gaza Strip, pausing the fighting and the lifting of the order for civilians to leave the north. The EU is not really united when it comes to the ceasefire. Some are saying it should never be a full ceasefire. It should be a partial, where the ultimate goal is for the Israelis to step in if they are to eradicate Hamas. When you send this message to people, obviously you understand what it means. It means for loads of many people there that no one cares for Palestinian blood. You know, you, you're asking me political questions, uh, uh, I, I know which that. I am a humanitarian. You know, my, my, my role is to make sure our role uh, is to ensure that the people on the ground have the access to the, uh, to the aid that they need. It's also to speak privately, quietly, confidentially, but with all those decision makers I do who understand. can affect the situation on the totally ground. Totally understand. And You're treading that. a fine line And here. we're doing that. But let me say something about politics, um, just to get this off the way. We know that ultimately the solution to what's happening in the Gaza Strip, what's happening in Palestine, lies on the political system. We're talking about a situation which is getting worse by the minute. I once again quote United Nations agencies operating in Gaza. They say the hospitals are overwhelmed, people are at greater risk, children are dying at an alarming rate, being denied the right to protection. Isn't this a collective punishment of an entire population? We've talked about the situation earlier, I told you, huh? really. I mean, I've worked there in Gaza. I've worked there for more than two years. And I know exactly uh, what the people are going through today based on what they're telling me. I can ask you a question. What's your favorite time of the day or, or of, of any day? Your favorite hour? Early morning. Early morning. In Gaza, people's worst time of the day is sunset. Because when the sun goes down, the bombs start raining down over people's heads. Uh, uh, so to be today in Gaza, to be there uh, is, as they told me, it's to live with the fear that your life can end in a split of a second. That everything that you care for, your family, the business that you build from your life savings, your home, can be gone in a split of a second. And it has been going on for many times. I think it must come a time when the world will just pause and, 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 and accept that there might be such a thing as being too late and really address the situation of the people in Gaza with a sense of fierce urgency. Uh, I think now is the time to, to, to also consider uh, what the people are going, because now we are talking about this crisis. I can list many other crises before. Protective edge was here, summer rains, uh, and, 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 and many more castleds. And every round of escalations leave the people in Gaza worse off than they were before. Talking about that sense of emergency and urgency, uh, injured, the injured and the babies require immediate aid. Given the situation which has been evolving with no indications of a potential ceasefire. Are you contemplating different options such as 
moving people into the Egyptian side with makeshift hospitals and clinics to, provo to, deliver, to, to provide aid for those who need it? No, I mean, the ICRC is not moving nobody. I mean, let's be very clear about this. Huh? What the law says, that people, even the, the, the order by, by, by Israel to evacuate, to ask people to evacuate from the north, mm -hmm. this we were very clear that this is against international humanitarian law because you cannot ask hundreds of thousands of people to move from their homes uh, without the provision of any basic uh, necessities that they, they, they need to survive. Huh? Uh, and this is within the Gaza Strip. And I don't even know if people realize what it means to have 2.4 million, 2.2 million people in a small strip like this. I'm, I even smile sometimes when people talk about the north and the south of Gaza. All of it is densely populated, you know? So, so we're very clear on the movement of people within the Gaza Strip. Now, the ICRC has been very clear over the years about the, uh, the, the protection nature, needs of the Palestinians, uh, which are very clear. Uh, and we have also been very clear on the obligation of, of the State of Israel vis-a-vis -vis, uh, the Palestinians. And, and, um, and, and, and it's not lawful uh, uh, for, for an occupying force to move out of the occupied territories. Uh, an entire population. So um, I'd rather not uh, elaborate too much on this because, again, sure, sure. Uh, this is very hypothetical. But you, um, you know the reason. But people need to be protected where they are. I've been covering wars and crises over the last uh, quarter uh, century, and when you see the thousands and thousands of the people on the move in Gaza because they were ordered to leave the northern part of the city, not knowing where to go, desperate for their safety. But at the same time, not knowing where they might end up. And the international community is doing nothing as we speak to provide them with alternatives. All humanitarian groups operating on the ground could be one day asked to provide their testimonies to the ICC, for example, which happened in the past. And then that's, that could be the moment when people have to say what they have to say plainly about the situation. We're talking about the need to help, but we're not offering people on the ground elements for a decent, dignified exit strategy. And this is the problem when it comes to Gaza. And I think this is something that could potentially further complicate your task. I do understand you, you don't want to talk about many of these issues, but give me a sense of how do you see Gaza in the upcoming days, in the absence of a political solution, because you'll end up being trapped there. You'll end up being the one who has to handle the situation there. Let me tell you something today. I think it's rare to see a, a, a war that has been this televised. I think on a daily basis or by minutes, we receive live images of what's happening in the Gaza Strip. But when you talk to Palestinians, they don't even feel that people see them. They don't feel that people hear them. They feel the weight of how dehumanized they have been, how dehumanized their pain has been. And this is a big problem. And they're not numbers. They are flesh and blood, blood human beings. You know, we, 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 we said it very clearly, huh? what happened um, to uh, the south of Israel, uh, the level of violence that was unleashed there is absolutely beyond comprehension. But for us, nothing, absolutely nothing can justify 
an unregulated destruction of Gaza Strip. And definitely would like also to take the opportunity to commend the work of the all your colleagues, all the humanitarian organizations courageously operating under the extremely difficult situation in Gaza Mamadou, so head of the International Committee of the Red Cross for the Gulf Cooperation Council countries, the GCC. Thank you for talking to Al Jazeera. Thank you for Thank you. Us. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you.